It's the best show of the week every week. That's right. Locked on Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. And we have the mailbag today. As we do every Thursday, very exciting about, uh, very exciting. Also very exciting for Zuri, who seems to, well, now she's turned her back on me. But so she's, she's being a part of the show just quietly. Anyway, uh, we didn't get as many questions, which is kind of odd given that a lot has happened right before I, uh, asked for Michigan football questions, but nonetheless, We'll get to them now, starting with our leaders and best. Uh, put them in the wrong order, but whatever. James Crudup at James Crudup 6. If you were the commissioner of college football, what would be the five changes you would make? That's kind of difficult. Um, I mean, obviously, I would empower the student-athletes a lot more. I would give them a lot more capability. I, I would honestly probably adopt pretty much all of Jim Harbaugh's open letter. I think, I think that's, that's number one, what I would do because they should be able to leave and test the NFL waters. See if they can come back. It is ridiculous that in hockey, they can do certain things. Basically I would do away with a lot of the amateurism model stuff. I would have to find a way to put in some safeguards so that it isn't fully taken advantage of. So you don't like just have, I mean, so there's some degree where it's like more power to them, but you can't have just, you know, the powerhouse schools being like, all right, well, we're just going to give this dude $300,000 and preclude him from going to where, you know, going to Alabama, Clemson. I mean, if, if it was legal, I'm sure Michigan would get right in on it as well. So. Uh, I, I don't I don't really know how, how you safeguard against that. I mean, obviously, I guess the same kind of thing. If you're a booster, you can't. I would I would strengthen the penalties. That's number two. For those who do do the things that we know are wrong. I know it's it, it's close to untraceable. Some of these things are open secrets, like the Rashawn Gary thing that was in John U. Bacon's book. I knew of that before he committed to Michigan. The, that Clemson had offered him money. I knew about and, and that. I mean, granted, rumor sta stage wasn't like I had uh, gotten uh, a text from someone directly saying like, yep, here's the here's the deal. But uh, yeah. um, I don't know. It's one of those things I'm kind of along for the ride, but everything I would do is probably student athlete related. I would obviously enact a name image likeness uh, as far as the game is concerned. I mean, they fixed some of the stuff, the but like I, I don't remember exactly what, how they changed targeting, but I would I would definitely make ejections. And I believe this has changed, but I would definitely make it so that ejections were strictly of the obvious, egregious, obvious intent and egregious variety. Because so many of them, it's like, you know, Joe Bolden in 2015 against Michigan State, Kalik Hudson, uh, or actually, uh, yeah, Kalik Hudson, <laughs> basically in 2018. Uh, some of those, I'd be like, come on. 
give give a penalty and let's move on. Um that's all I got because I can't think. I'm, I'm we're doing this on the on the cuff and I I haven't had a chance to really think of it. So, unfortunately, that's all I got. Let's move on and go to Josh Barr at Jadiki. What are your thoughts on the Big Ten player unity post that was shared in the Players' Tribune? Uh, I'm all for it because, listen, these are the guys that have to play in the game, and I think it's ridiculous that they weren't consulted at all because I think that you do need to have some representation there, right? That's like, you know, if you made it a civic-type situation, you have no one representing the interests of the student-athletes making helping make these decisions. I think the Big Ten has done a good job, but yeah, I, I understand exactly the concerns. If you don't know, this was uh, this was penned by former Michigan cornerback, who's now with Minnesota, Benjamin St. Juiced, and Michigan cornerback Hunter Reynolds. Obviously, those two are close. They were in competition with one another, both 2017 recruits in Ann Arbor. Uh, but I think a lot of it is very common sense stuff. Right. I mean, even the stuff that I would say is on its face, maybe not as because like I'm I'm always thinking dollars and cents. But at the same time, uh, I, I agree with this because, hey, you want you want to play then adjustment to the cost of living stipend and for the increase of personal expenses related to the limited access that players have to facilities uh, coverage for all out of pocket medical expenses related to COVID-19, both short term and long term incurred by active college athletes. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's reasonable. That's under the the bullet item, hazard-related economic support. The, the, insur- the, the assurances, I think this is very well thought out. And I think if the Big Ten adheres to this, you're going to have a, a lot more players playing. Because obviously, l- listen, Rondale Moore opted out today. So now you got Michael Parsons from Penn State, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota, Rondale Moore. Jacob Panashuk from Michigan State all opted out. So I think it's I think it's great that and I think it's uh something the Big Ten I hope is paying close attention to. The players need to be able to have a lot more control than they have. And it seems like they do in other sports compared to football. I, I understand the reasons why football has some of these limitations. And I think some of it is a lot of it's the money, of course, but I think some of it obviously as well is to try to keep <laughs> to keep you know certain teams from cheating that have that capability my brother metal michael wolf at mwolf21 do you know when you might get to interview any of the coaches man i wish i did at least we got some back in may and then we got harbaugh last month which was cool but especially when you see that you know what ohio state is giving you know that they get they give coaches and players and all that stuff all the time. They've been they've been doing it throughout. Uh, you know, since spring, they they just tend to get you know give a lot more. Um, but that's their prerogative, and hopefully we get uh, with fall camp probably starting sometime here soon. I don't know the exact date it's going to start as of yet. I haven't gotten a chance to check in, uh, but. Uh, Hopefully sometime in the next week, because if fall camp is starting, then it's it's time. It's go time. Time to start uh, getting into it. Trent Noop at Trent Noop. 
Any pros or cons of the new schedule? I'm going to have to take a look because I knew the old schedule by heart. And, of course, I don't know this new one by heart anymore. Um, or not anymore, just I don't. Uh, so the con, I think, is you got the bye week. Then you've got at Indiana, at Ohio State, hosting Wisconsin. It's not as brutal of a stretch as you had earlier in the season when it was going to be hosting Wisconsin, hosting Penn State, going on the road to uh, Minnesota, and then going on the road again to Michigan State. That was going to be a brutal four-game stretch. I'm just curious how, if Michigan loses to Ohio State, how they rebound on Halloween against Wisconsin. I'm very interested in that. Uh, I just I think that that's a Indiana, I think, is a very good team. Uh, and we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens there. Uh, I think one of the bigger pros, weirdly, is Ohio State uh, being on October 24th. And that's Zuri barking in the background. I think Ohio State on because here's the thing. When do it, it seems so rare that you've got uh, that that with when that game comes along that you, Michigan is full strength, looking great and peaking. Yes, that was the case last year in November and November. It seemed like Michigan was peaking at the right time just for everything to happen. But you think about like if the game was October 24th in 2016, Michigan would have won that game handily, in my opinion. Michigan seems to run out of steam come November most of the time. Not all of the time. They they gathered steam the last couple of years. But I think that you have a better chance of being healthy in mid-October. I think it's – I mean, the same thing could be said of Ohio State. I think it's also good that there's a whole month's worth of stuff that they're not going to be uh, able to see from Michigan. I wish it was a little bit earlier. I wish it was – in September. I wish it was like either September 19th or September 26th. Get it done early and go from there. But uh yeah. Um I think that's a that's a perk. I think the rest of it's just kind of a perk. Obviously, it's a perk now that your first three games and someone because I I posted right before uh I uh started doing the podcast and everything getting ready for for that by all the doing all the home stuff, you know, feeding the dog, all that stuff. I posted about Rondale Moore, uh Rashad Bateman and uh Micah Parsons sitting out and I said like this makes I said on Twitter this makes the schedule easier and someone said how on earth does it make the schedule easier? Well like well duh. Those are the three best players in my opinion on all three teams. Rashad Bateman, I mean you can debate whether it's Tanner Morgan or Rashad Bateman. But I think it's probably Rashad Bateman. Penn State, I don't think it's a question, Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons could be the best player in the conference not named Justin Fields. Could be. I don't know. And Rondale Moore is clearly the number one player in Purdue. So, I mean, you take away the number one player, the big threat on one side of the ball, it's going to make the schedule easier automatically. So that's what I got there. Finishing us out in segment one, Jimmy Whitner with two. 
What are your thoughts on the Big Ten finally switching MSU back on the schedule? Uh, so every year we have MSU at home, the same year OSU is on the road. Finally. It, I've been so against it since the 2013-2014 situation. I thought that was ridiculous. Finally. And that's great for season ticket holders and people who are the fans who are going to games. Because when you don't have – it would be one thing if Notre Dame was still on the schedule. And granted, when Notre Dame was on the schedule, 2018, you know, you had – I mean, it made it great for, for the fans who did have season ticket hold uh, – were season ticket holders like last year because you had all three. And I think it's great now that it, there's imbalance, especially because Wisconsin eventually isn't going to be on the schedule. So, I mean, it, when you if you don't have Wisconsin, you only have Penn State otherwise. I think that's terrible. Um, question two, what player loss hurts their team most? We'll add Rondale Moore in this. But he says Parsons at Penn State or Bateman at Minnesota. Um, I, I think we'll go with your two because Rondale Moore, I think, would hurt the most because I think that's Purdue's best chance to win. But otherwise, I'm going to go with Parsons because I think he is a top 10, maybe top five player in the country. And now you don't have that. I don't think the same of Bateman. Bateman still might be like a, a second round pick, especially since he's not playing. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe he's still a first rounder. But uh, where did Tyler Johnson go? I don't even remember. Uh but yeah, it's, I think that it's definitely Micah Parsons. Yeah. I mean, Tyler Johnson went in the fifth round and he, he had more yards, but you know, not as many big plays as Rashad Bateman and Rashad Bateman might be every bit as good as Rondell Moore, but I think that they have Minnesota is a little bit more multifaceted in some ways. And no, Penn state is also multifaceted. Uh, but I think that that hurts because they also lost Yator Gross Matos. Uh, they don't have KJ Hamler. I think that they really required uh, Micah Parsons to be a big part of that defense. And now that's gone. That game's on the road for them, too. Uh, so I would predict Penn State now to finish third. I was kind of, you know, back and forth. Granted, I picked, picked Michigan to win, but definitely picking them to be third. All right, let's continue on. We got two more segments, six more questions. So we'll do three apiece here momentarily. I lied. We have five questions. Uh, so this might be a short episode. We'll see how much I can talk. Uh, let's go to RTK at Farmark 84. U of M seems to miss out on high-profile recruits that publicize their recruitments and commitments. Rocco is committing live on CBS HQ. and could be another example if he decides on Notre Dame. Why does Michigan seem to struggle with high-profile recruits and in some cases avoid those players? Um, I don't think that they – I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it happens. But, I mean, Rashawn Gary, number one recruit in the country – decided on ESPN uh, in the middle of signing day back when there was no early signing day. Um, I mean, I do think Michigan does a really good job of locking guys down. Uh, but I mean, some, you know, that's. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be on committing live there, which actually that's news to me, but uh, I intend to be there unless I get word otherwise that he is for sure committing uh, to Notre Dame. I intend on being there at Clarkston High School. But, uh, yeah, it's, 
this year, maybe last year, yeah, it doesn't seem like guys are going on TV and committing to Michigan. But, I mean, you've seen some of them. Uh, was it uh, – who was it a couple years ago at the Army game? There was someone two years ago at the Army All-American game. I know it's not called the Army All-American game. They've had some of those guys too, right? Like Kakoa Crawford committed there uh, to Michigan. I, I, I just think that that's kind of what's going to happen when you're going after – high super high profile guys is they're going to have their commitments uh, if they if you can't commit them convince them to commit early they're going to have them televised and but I think Michigan's done a good job of getting guys to who have that intention to commit early a lot of the time like I think back to last year with Jordan Morant Jordan Morant was going to announce at the All-American Bowl and he was pretty steadfast on that and couple days later, he was committed to Michigan. Ended it early. Now he's on campus. So I, I think that that's kind of what happens to some degree as well. But obviously, you know, if you're a big-time school or a big-time player, you're going to have multiple big-time schools. And, uh, again, I stand by what I said yesterday with the 50-50 thing. Uh, I still always kind of felt Notre Dame would be the choice, but we'll see. Spencer Whitmore at Spencer Whitmore. Thinking nine and one is the ceiling and seven and three is the floor as far as the schedule is concerned. Also, how did Ohio State avoid Wisconsin and Minnesota? I don't know, especially when they add that other game. I saw twenty four seven Sports. Uh, Brad Crawford from the National Desk did a uh, did like a ranking of uh, of schedules in the Big Ten, easiest to hardest, and Ohio State was obviously like tenth. Because, I mean, yeah, they still have to play Michigan and Penn State. I But and, and now especially you can't be terribly afraid of Purdue, who is the team that got added. But, yeah, it, it gets old, man. But here's the thing. That's in conference. Uh, Ohio State has tended to have a pretty strong non-conference, and that got taken away from them. I mean, they were going to play at Oregon this year. And uh, their non-conference schedule every year has one very premier marquee matchup. So I can't hate on them too much as far as that scheduling is concerned. Uh, they get Wisconsin on the schedule soon. Uh, I mean, and they had Wisconsin last year and destroyed them. Uh, they didn't get Minnesota, but they had Minnesota a couple years ago. And Minnesota was really close to uh, upsetting them when before Minnesota became what they were last year, which I still think is overrated. I don't think they were nearly as good as their record seems. I think their most impressive win, I don't even think Penn State is, because I think Penn State just thought they were going to run in there. I think the Auburn game, them beating Auburn, of which I saw nothing of because I was at the uh, I, I was at the Citrus Bowl, but it's uh, I, I think that that's more impressive. One more in this segment, and then we will finish us out. MG Brady at Michael underscore M Brady. Who is the one player on offense and on defense you are most excited to see play and why? For me, it's Chris Evans and Michael Barrett. Great podcast. Thanks. Appreciate that. Um, uh, It's actually pretty easy for me, uh, I think. Actually, it's not defensively because defensively I'm torn between three guys. I'm going to go with my gut and say Cam McGrone. I want to see... Now that he goes into the season as the unquestioned leader, 
the unquestioned middle linebacker has most of a year under his belt, how he progresses. Cause it seemed like Devin Bush was really good in his first year as a starter. And it seemed like when he got to that next year, you know, 2018, his hair was on fire, man. And I think that's going to be the same thing for Cameron Grown. Uh, honorable mentions go to uh, Daxton Hill and Ambry Thomas uh, on defense. On offense, this one is a no-brainer for me. It's Giles Jackson. I think he is going to be so electrifying and so exciting to watch. Uh, I just cannot wait to see what he does. I think he ended the season on such a high note. I mean, you saw what he was doing against Ohio State. You saw what he was doing against uh, Alabama. And it took him a minute to get there, right? I remember having a conversation with a person you, every single one of you knows who it is. Uh, as far as if I was to tell you the name, you'd be like, okay, yeah, I know. Obviously, I know exactly who that is. Quite obvious. But uh, I ha- was having a conversation with this person before a game uh, at the beginning of the season, and they were really excited about Giles Jackson's potential. And the hope was that he was going to get to go go and get some early playing time. This is against Army. And uh, the hope was that he was they were going to utilize him quite a bit. And it didn't happen because they wanted to slow, you know, slowly get him acclimated. But then, you know, you saw what happened against Army. So that's that. Uh, so, yeah, Giles, really excited about him. All right, we'll finish this out. We got two more questions here. It's going to be a short one, but it is what it is. Finishing us out, Brad G at GRN Heimer. Ronnie Bell versus Andrew Anthony. Who's the better basketball player? Uh, I, I feel like I'm splitting hairs probably. And it's hard to really tell because Ronnie Bell says that people were telling him he couldn't play football. He didn't have offers to play football. The only offer he had was Michigan. And he did have the offer to go and play at Missouri State. Andrew Anthony... We won't know it, what basketball offers he essentially had because he could have uh, – because the football, he obviously can play football. I mean, obviously so can Ronnie Bell, but people could tell a little bit better, coaches, that uh, Andrew Anthony could play, uh, could play f- football. So that tends to take precedence. I know he had that opportunity at some Mac schools. I'm going to go Ronnie Bell, though. This is because I think, I don't know. I have no, I have no way of telling. I can't, I can't wait till Andrew gets to, to campus and we'll hopefully we'll be able to, to find that out some way, somehow. But Andrew's going to, sounds like he's, you know, based off my conversation, which you heard here on the Lockdown Wolverines podcast, he's going to maybe give it a go and uh, see about uh, playing basketball. Ronnie, however, told John Jansen if he got that opportunity, he'd also go for it. But it seems like Andrell's going to probably get that opportunity. I have no way of answering it. I wish I could, but I'm going to go with Ronnie. Sorry, Andrell. I'm going with Ronnie. Finishing out the podcast, Zach Van Lente at Lente Zach. Over, under on wins this season. U of M. And I didn't even answer the one from earlier. Uh, the About the, the from Spencer Whitmore. The nine and one, the ceiling, seven and three, the floor. I, I agree with that. I'll, I'll, yeah, seven and three. You know what? I'm going to say six and four is actually the floor uh, because they could lose to the, they could, they could just as much lose to Ohio State, 
Penn State, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. Uh, I don't think that'll happen, but I'll call that the floor. Which, you know, every team with a pulse. 9-1 and one is the ceiling. Yeah, probably. Ohio State being the loss until proven otherwise. As far as over-under on when, when's the season, Michigan at 7.5, MSU at 2.5. I think that's pretty accurate. Um, MSU schedule. I mean, MSU has a tough, tough schedule. Uh, let's take a look at that real quick. Um, so, all right, man, this is brutal. And annoyingly it opened up and closed it. So they host Minnesota to start the game or start the season. They go to Maryland, which I don't think is a gimme for them. They host Northwestern. Uh, that and I, which again, they've had problems with Northwestern, even when Northwestern's bad. And I think Northwestern is still going to be better than them. Then listen to this they go to Penn State, they go to Michigan, they host Ohio State, and then Rutgers at Iowa host Indiana at Nebraska. As far as games that I think are winnable for them, winnable, not saying they will win it, Maryland. Northwestern, Rutgers, I'll give them Iowa. Not saying I'm giving them a win. I'm saying it's winnable. Indiana and Nebraska. So that's what, six of the games I think are winnable. The only one to me that's a gimme is Rutgers. And I think Rutgers weirdly might have more talent than Michigan State right now. And so I would give, I would put it at three and a half. For their over-under. Michigan's over-under, you had it seven and a half. I think that's pretty pretty good. Uh, if I was to go and to just take a quick look at the schedule and say, here are the, the gimmies. The gimmies are Purdue, Rutgers, Indiana. I'm going to give it to them as a gimme because they haven't lost to Indiana since the 80s. I think it's going to be a tough game. Maryland and Northwestern. I think are essentially all gimmies. I I think the toss-ups are Wisconsin. Well, I should I should I should have said Michigan State. Michigan State's a gimme this year. I should have said okay, so Wisconsin, Minnesota and Penn State are maybes. And I think that they'll win at least two of those and Ohio State is the loss. So uh you're looking at Four games that are questionable. I'll give them one for the sake of odds making. So, yeah, that would be set that. Well, I would say six and a half. That's what I would go with. Six and a half. Mm, no, I would go seven and a half because I think they'll win the two and you're setting odds. You're not just saying whatever. Uh, so that's uh, that's where I would go with that. Uh, all right. That will do it for uh, Lockdown Wolverines podcast mailbag today. Uh, we'll be back uh, sometime in the next two days with another podcast, either Friday or Saturday. Uh, have uh, We'll just essentially be reacting to stuff at this point because we actually have stuff to react to, uh, which is exciting. So that'll do it for us today. Peace.